Okay, good morning all. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Adrian. And I just thought I'd start by telling you about where we as a family love to go on holiday. Uh, so I'm married to an amazing woman called Lucy. We've got three children, Emily the eldest, then Sam in the middle, and then Rebecca our youngest. And we love every summer to go on holiday to Cornwall. And there's a particular beach, there's one family of Cornwall there. Um, there's a particular beach in Cornwall, which I probably more than everyone else, but it is Therefore, everyone else, I think, does love it. Love more than any other beach. And um, it's this beach here, Port Coven Bay Beach. And it's somewhere where you really have to go. But the problem is, when you go somewhere every day for two weeks, a year, you start to grow accustomed to it. And you start to get to moments of thinking, well, it is kind of good and we like going there, but that's it. And then suddenly you can go. And this is what happened. We went this last summer. And we went every day. And then one day we went at evening. And we went at evening where the sun was starting to go down so that this was the image. As we walked on this enormous beach with the sea going out and the sun going down, suddenly you couldn't help but seeing the whole place in a different light. Suddenly this place of familiarity suddenly had a new sense of beauty. If you like, in this moment as we stood there and it was the five of us there and there's loads of different pictures we then took and took it in turns to take pictures because all of us captured different things is that as we stood there and captured this moment both digitally but also together it caused us each to have this sense of wonder at this place of familiarity afresh of its beauty and this morning if you like what I want us to do is take a sense of wonder at something that we can grow familiar too. If you've been around us, you know we're in this series we've entitled The Centered Playlist, where we're looking at different tracks, three tracks that we want to live our lives by. And as we do, kind of recognizing that as we give ourselves to living around these tracks and in these tracks, that actually it's going to do us good and others good. And the tracks are loving God, loving the world, and loving home. And we're going to look at loving home today. And loving home is the, the word that we use to reveal who we are and what we believe we are together as church. The church can sometimes have so many different preconceptions of what we think of in as a word. And what we've said is actually, we understand that we are church and we call ourselves church, but what we mean when we say church is home. And if you like, I want us to look this morning at the wonder of what it means of who we are together as home. And next week, we're going to look at this track again and, and look at what life looks like in home. But this morning, my hope is that we're leave if we're a believer in Jesus and say this this is where I call home with a renewed sense of wonder of what we're part of a renewed sense of love for what we're part of and if we're not a believer if we're those that are coming in and thinking well I, I'm kind of wondering what church is I, I thought it was kind of a building and I thought you kind of had a weird building you met in that for us that maybe it's going to cause us to live fundamentally differently of what we think of as church 
what we think of as home and what we could be invited to belong to. And to help us look at the wonder of home, we're going to look at it around a bee. It's what I've recognized is that over this series, there's been different visual aids that we've had that have enabled us to keep remembering the tracks. It could have been a mirror. It could have been a canvas. This time, it's a big letter B. And for all of us, we'll probably leave this morning. We might not remember lots, but what we will remember is there was this big B. And hopefully, from the big B, we'll then remember some other things. Because actually, our home can be summarized around this B. You see, the deal with our home is... Our home isn't somewhere or something, it's someone. And you see, the first B that we start off with, in terms of understanding the wonder of our home, is the B for body. Paul writes this in Ephesians 1, and 23. He says, and God placed all things. That's quite easy to interpret. That's kind of everything. That's when it says all things, it literally means all things. Um, God placed all things under his feet, that's Jesus' feet, and appointed him, that's Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. But Paul writes and says, the church isn't something, it isn't somewhere, it isn't a building, it isn't an institution, it isn't a company, it isn't a business, it's a body. And it isn't any old body, it's Jesus' body. That what Paul is writing here is true, if we quickly make a note to ourselves, that what Paul is writing here is true both for every believer for all time, that we are all collectively part of this universal church, which is Jesus' body. But also what he's writing is saying, actually, to you in Ephesus, you in this town, this city of Ephesus, as a church gathered there of believers have centered their lives on Jesus, you too are this. That what's true for everyone is also true for every local expression. That every local expression of home, of church, is a body. And isn't any old body, it's the body of Jesus. You see, Paul was forever changed. Paul had his whole name changed. So we find out in Acts that he was a guy who was originally called Saul. And basically heard about this kind of new bunch of people who were believing in this Messiah called Jesus who had died. And they said it rose again. And as a result, it caused them to live radically different. And they gathered in different communities. And Saul heard about them and thought, this isn't on. And I'm going to do all I can to crush and squash them. And then what we find out is that Saul, on his road to a place called Damascus, has this encounter with this risen Jesus. And that encounter was to change his life forever. It was going to change his life because his name would no longer be Saul anymore. He would be renamed as Paul. And his new identity would be found in this risen Jesus. But it was also to fundamentally change how he saw any expression of people gathered around Jesus. People gathered as church. People gathered as what we call home. See, when Saul encounters this risen Jesus, Jesus asks him one question. And just says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? At that point, Saul suddenly realized something, had something revealed to him that fundamentally changed everything about who he was of what he saw church was. Because suddenly, he wouldn't stand there and say, oh, oh, I'm not persecuting you. 
I'm persecuting people who say they believe in you. I'm persecuting people who say they've centered their lives around you. Now, Saul at that point just falls to his knees and says, save me. See, in that moment, Paul was undone because suddenly he realized that who the church is isn't any old bunch of people. They are intimately, intricately connected to who Jesus is as they are his body on earth. What gets done to the church gets done to Jesus. And that undid Paul forever. It meant that he always used this language of body. No one else really used it. He was the one who kept saying, Man, who are you as church? Who are you as a gathered bunch of people? Are you Jesus' body? Because he'd seen something, he'd had something revealed to him, and it fundamentally changed everything about him. I don't know what you think church is, but church home is Jesus. That we now have our home together in Jesus. And as a result, that causes us to live with three implications. It causes us to live with this deep sense of privilege. A privilege to understand that we're not just any old bunch of people. It isn't like we all think, oh yeah, let's kind of, yeah, we're followers of Jesus. Let's like hang out. Sunday sounds good. Let's just do that. Hang out on a Sunday. No, no. Who we are is we have the privilege of understanding that we're part of the expression of Jesus' body in this city of Birmingham, within this nation and within the world. We have this privilege of understanding that we now enjoy this amazing relationship together with Jesus. The problem is because we live in an individualistic society, we continuously think about, no, it's me and Jesus. And there's, there's something rich. Yes, it is true. It was me and Jesus. I am now in him. As we looked at a couple of weeks ago, I am who I am because of the grace of God to me, because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection poured out for me. That defines who I am now as an individual. But also, we are who we are because of God's grace. That who we are together is we are now intimately in relationship with Jesus. That we now are so intimate in his relationship with him, we're now at home as his body on earth. That Jesus isn't physically present apart from through a bunch of peoples like us. And that feels quite a privilege to me. But you see, in that, that that is how we now relate to him, now in knowing that our home is in him, that we are now part of the outworkings of his body, it also means that we are now characterized by him. It means that being at home in Jesus' body means that who he is characterizes who we are. That he who is forever loving, he who is forever accepting, he who is all-powerful, he who is the Prince of Peace, able to give peace beyond our understanding and comprehension, he who is the great healer, he who is the bread of life, the one who can satisfy every hunger, he who is the one who's able to quench every thirst. He's the one that we're now characterized in and characterized by because he's the one we're now in home in. See, that therefore means that we also live not only characterized by him, we also live with a deep sense of purpose. In terms of our privilege, we have this moment of understanding, oh yeah, this is about how we relate to him, it's how we're characterized by him, but it's also 
this other area that it gives us a great sense of purpose. We're not here for the sake of it. We don't gather because we think, oh, this is nice to do. It's rather that we gather because we realize we reveal who he is. What an unbelievable privilege. He who rose, dies, died, and he who lived, died, and rose again. We thought, I'd get there in the end, don't I? Lived, died, rose again. That is always the order. That he who did that then left bunches of people like us to reveal who he is. To be his body everywhere. And then isn't just giving us this purpose where we think, oh yeah, we better will ourselves up into that one. Oh, we're the body of Jesus. And I says, I'm going to give you the power to live with this. The power that I lived with, that was within me, that is the spirit. He's going to be amongst you. And that's, I don't know if you're starting to get that. That's, that's kind of privilege, isn't it? That's who we are. We're not, we're not like some club. Like, are you part of the Oasis Club? Have you signed a little certificate and got a card? Do you have a jazzy T-shirt? Oh, no, I've not quite got that one yet. I want the T-shirt. You can have the T-shirt. It doesn't matter about the T-shirt because of this privilege because beyond T-shirts, we're part of the body of Christ. Amen. And with that privilege comes implications because it means that our home then is defined by him. It means that when we talk about home, it means everything that Sarah was speaking about within worship. It suddenly means that home is a place that is safe. Because we realize it's characterized by him, by him who is always loving. Home is a place where we know we're always accepted. Home is a place of security. Home is a place of purpose. Home is a place of growth looking to include others in. Home is a place where we're cared for and comforted. Home is a place where all can belong, which we're going to look at in a moment. See, it has implications, the fact that we are now the body of Christ. But with that, it then brings a challenge. Because we go back to Saul on a road to Damascus. And what he discovered about Jesus is what we need to continuously be living with wonder. Is how we treat home. How you and I treat church is how we treat him. I don't know, that kind of undoes me sometimes. How I treat others, how I speak about others within church, how I speak about other churches, how I'm speaking about him. If you're around us before the summer, you'd have known that I spoke about how we can stay centered within our emotions. If you've not listened to that one, promise, please go and listen to it because it will do you good. But within it, I told the story about how I got to this point of about five, six years ago, where basically I just had this run-up of a load of people telling me how much they didn't really like Oasis. And with it was kind of coupled, and we don't really like you. And basically, I can live with that a few times. Probably about five to ten is about where my limit is. After ten, it starts to get me down a little bit. And this was like 20, 30, daily. And it gets to this point, and I'm thinking, I can't deal with this anymore. And if you're around before someone, you know, I told this story. I had a number of people come because it was such a loving community. came up to me after saying, Adrian, we're really for you. I'm not looking for that this morning. That what happens, I get to this point, I'm just thinking, I can't do this anymore. And so I go out as often as the case, half 11 at night, because I'm more of an owl than a whatever gets up in the morning. I don't know what they do. Um, and I'm there... Half 11 at night in the park up from my road, Rattlebarn Park, and I'm there, I'm just crying out to God, pouring down the rain, saying, God, I can't do this anymore. I don't understand why I have to do this. There's so much other things that would be easier. And this is the answer I get back. 
Because the good thing is with God is it is a relationship. So when you talk to him, he will talk to you. So I'm talking to God saying, God, what are we going to do about this? I can't do this anymore. He talks to me and says, why are you taking it so personally? It's my body, not yours. I think, you what? And like the wind sucked out of me. Because then I realized, why am I taking this so personally? It's your body, not mine. And boy, does that cause me to live with a sense of awe and wonder at who we are together. Isn't it any old bunch of people, but the body of Jesus on earth? How we treat home is how we treat Jesus. That's only the first B. I'm going to look at three others. See, this next B is this whole sense of belonging. Paul writes this, Ephesians 4, verse 15. We will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. You see, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, in this, when we talk about we are now belonging to the church, we can kind of think, oh, yeah, it's like belonging to Tesco's. I, I kind of belong there. I've got a reward card, and occasionally I pull it out and remember to get some reward points, and I belong to it. And I know the belonging we're talking about here with the church is way beyond anything we can know in any other area of life. Paul kind of needs this body illustration again. and says, well, you want to know what it looks like to belong to the body of Christ? Well, look at your own body. It's like that. Now, here's the deal. A bit of biology for you. Just because I know some of you kind of need some pushing academically. Right. My leg is attached to the rest of my body. Right, there's bones there, but also there's like ligaments and muscles, which means that my leg doesn't generally get left behind. I don't get up in the morning and my right leg goes, I'm not in today. Remember, we're not really morning people. Let's just, I'm going to stay in bed for a while. You carry on. And I kind of hop along with my right leg left at home. No, no, the deal is where I go, my right leg always follows. Sometimes my right leg leads the way. The right leg is always there. Now, because of time, we're not going to do this illustration, but I could get someone, I could get 20 of you to yank as much as you want on my right leg. I promise you, it ain't going to go far. It might dislocate, but it's not going to rip off. There is no way 20 of you can rip my leg off. 40, 50, possibly. We're not going to do that. But the deal is, Mike's like, please, please. I, I just recognize it may break the illustration if we do that. But the deal is, my right leg is forever connected to my body. And the strength of that connection is beyond anything else. It's, it's organically connected. It doesn't just drop off, it's there. And Paul says that's how we belong to the home. That's how we belong to church. That's how we belong now. It isn't some kind of loose connection with you. I'm kind of not worried today. I let everyone get up. I'll stay here. No, no, no. We're intimately connected. We now belong in a connection that is far stronger than any other connection in any other way. It's a connection that is all about how we connect to Jesus. We now belong to Jesus like my leg belongs to my body. It means that, as Paul writes in Romans 8, now nothing can separate us from his love. We so belong to him that death, life, famine, imprisonment, kind of persecution, beheading, whatever you want to throw at us, is never, ever going to separate us from who Jesus is and his love for us. 
That's the strength of connection. Now, for most of us here, we'd be like, oh, yeah, I kind of know that, and I get that. Or I'm trying to live in it more. But here's the wonder of what Paul writes here, is it's not just true for us in the head, which is Jesus. I don't know about you, but I get freaked out by anyone who just walks around carrying a head. It's just a bit weird. You meet someone, and oh, this is my friend, Bill. Just a head. We like hanging out. You think, no, you're a freak. What are you doing? That's not a body. It's not a person. It's a head. You know, somewhere along the line, we think, oh, yeah, I've got Jesus. and I'm deeply connected to him. I'll carry the head around. Look at me. I've got Jesus. You're weird. No, no. The point is that just as to that connection between us and Jesus, it's the same between each other. Paul writes from his from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament isn't just to the head, it's to every part. That we are intimately connected. Not loosely. We belong together. It means that we're like no other bunch of people on the planet. It means that because of how Jesus has connected to us, that's the truth, is that Jesus connected us this way, it means that we can love one another in a way that goes beyond anything else. Because just as we love Jesus, we get to love each other. We get to live thinking, actually, I'm going to prefer others. I'm going to seek to care for them because I know they're going to be doing the same for me because we're not just loosely connected. This isn't like an occasional thing. This is like a deep connection of who we are together as body. We belong. What I love about churches, I love just looking around and thinking, man, there's no way on earth that any of us would connect apart from through Jesus. And yet because he's the one who's connected us, it means that we can love each other despite everything and anything that would say we shouldn't. And the thing is that takes work. It takes work because it means we have to remember and stand in awe and wonder that we've not decided to just think, oh yeah, I'll kind of plug in here. Actually, it's the sense of, no, Jesus is connecting us in. And if Jesus is connecting us in, it means that he's actively involved in connecting us together. Therefore, just as we're looking and saying, Jesus, would you help me in who I am? We're then saying, Jesus, would you help me in who we are? I said, I want to ensure that I continuously am as gracious as possible to every single other person. See, here's where the rubber hits the road. That means that I continuously asking God, I want to love everyone. I don't want to love the people I think are kind of like me, and so I think, well, of course, they're lovable. They're just like me. I want to love everyone because I realize we're connected deeply. It means I want to live with short accounts because I want to know that we belong together, which means that if I offend others, I want to be quick to say sorry, and if they offend me, I want to be quick to talk up about it because I want to do anything that kind of causes the connection to kind of be broken in any way because I realize just the wonder of what we're part of together. This isn't any old bunch of people. This is the body of Christ who belong together. Here's the deal. You belong. And I belong. But I know sometimes I could do things and say things that could cause you to think that you don't belong. And if I have ever done that, 
I want you to know that I am deeply, deeply sorry. Because that should have never happened. Because you belong and we belong together because Jesus has connected us. And for some of us, maybe we've been involved in church before. And we thought it was meant to be this and somehow it wasn't. And it felt like we were amputated or maybe it just felt like we just didn't fit and we were made to feel like we, we don't belong. And for you, I want to say and plead, don't give up on what Jesus has building, is building. Please, if we can be part of that process of being healed to understand that you can belong, we'd love for you to be part of the journey. But please can we all say and live and look at the wonder of the fact to be whole together is to belong. There are only two B's in. Third B, beauty. Beauty, I think, is just amazing. You see, who we are together as home is beautiful. It's beautiful because of its diversity. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 12 too. We'll look at chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians a bit more next week. But he writes this, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Paul can't ever get over this whole aspect, illustration of body. Because for him, when he met Jesus, he thought, oh, that's who the church is. I kind of get it. He suddenly even thought, actually, this means that just like my body, however frail and ugly it might be to some, and however glorious and beautiful it is to many, that for you, as you look at my body, actually it reveals something of the wonder of who we're going to be. See, my body isn't just one thing. It isn't just my nose that got bitten by my puppy this morning, hanging off my nose at six this morning. I thought, will I actually have a whole nose this morning? It's not just that. If I was just this huge nose, you think that's quite odd. No, it's made up of loads of different parts. It's diverse, and something of the beauty of our bodies is the fact that they are diverse. And so it is with us. Then we look at who we are. Our beauty is in the fact that we are all different. Man, how ugly and weird and freakish would we look if everyone wore blue checkered shirts, colored trousers, weird suede shoes, chunky glasses, and dyed their hair gray? <laughs> it would just look freaky. You kind of go in and think, this is odd. I wonder how quickly I can get out and tell the newspapers about this, because there's a shed load of money to be made. But it isn't just how we look, it's also how we sound. And we suddenly think, man, you go in there, and it isn't just that they all wear blue checkered shirts, weird colored trousers, suede shoes with funny colored soles, chunky glasses and gray hair. They also kind of talk the same. They kind of talk occasionally this robotic type way. And they kind of get excited and they use their hands lots. And they all kind of look like that person who stands at the front. And you think, this is weird. Now the point is, our beauty is revealed in the fact that we are all different. If you feel different here, if you think, man, I just stand out because I'm different to everyone else, fantastic. That's the best news ever. It's not that at that moment you think, oh, man, how do I conform to become more like everyone else? No, no, no. You add into the beauty and wonder of who we are and how we reveal Jesus. Because Jesus loves to reveal the beauty of who he is through us and the diversity of who we are. Let's not give up being who God's created us to be how we dress, how we speak, how we use our minds, all in submission to Jesus to reveal just the wonder 
at the richness of diversity of who we are, in order that we can incorporate loads and loads more people and say, please come and add to the flavor and color of who we are to be, bring out the beauty and diversity of who Jesus is. But the beauty doesn't just end there in diversity. It's also about scars. John 20, 19 to 20, after Jesus is resurrected, this is his first appearance to his disciples and friends. It says this, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. When Jesus reveals himself in full glory after he's risen from the dead, I mean, it wasn't enough that he just appeared in a locked room. And that would be enough for me. I'm like, whoa, we're all locked in. He's come. They kind of know that it's him. He then speaks peace, and they're all like, whoa, peace. But that isn't enough. Then Jesus reveals who he is in that moment of being resurrected, glorified through his hands and his side, through his scars. See, the beauty of Jesus, the glory of Jesus is revealed through his scars. See, when they saw his scars, what it did is it reminded them of the wounds. It reminded them of the cause and how now the cause wasn't there. It meant when they looked at his hands and his side, it meant that they could look and say, actually, this is the one who has now brought hope, who is dead but is now alive. The one who now, through his hands and his side, is actually restored. The one who, through his hands and his side, is now redeemed and can now do that for everyone. See, when Jesus gets his body, the church, our home, looking how it's meant to be, it has scars. Not that we glory in the cause of the scars, but we glory in the one who's able to restore and heal the wounds. See, it's never that we come together and we forget what's made us who we are. Or we forget what's happened to us. And we think, oh, let's just try and pretend it never happened. No, it's that Jesus wants to come and heal us of everything. In order that we wouldn't be those who walk around as wounded. But rather walk around as those who've been restored and redeemed and healed. And in such, we might have the scar. But actually, it brings so much beauty. For some of us at the moment, we just need to know it's okay to know we're a wound being healed. We don't have to be the finished product that Jesus is in to renewing everything. Jesus is in to restoring everything. And I promise you, beauty is going to come from the scar. For others of us, it isn't that we hide away and we kind of say, I don't want anyone to know this about me. It's rather we say, actually, this is what Jesus did. It isn't a celebration of what was done to us. It wasn't a isn't a celebration of what we've done that's caused the pain. Rather, it's a celebration of the one who has healed us. Because there is a beauty 
that is seen through the scar that brings hope to everyone who's wounded. That's beauty, last one. Based. I have to try and stop myself, because on this one, what's going around my head is this song that's in, at the moment, my wife really loves it, is that it goes, I can't even remember, it's like the bass, I can't do it, sorry, it's about to go in my head, and we mustn't go, we've got it, haven't we? Um, I don't like the treble, just the bass. And so I can't sing that, so that I shouldn't have done that, because at the moment I'm trying to do it. But based is the most wonderful thing possible in respect to who we are as a church. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians 1.23, Ephesians 2.22. It says this, For the church, which is his body, is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Whoa! The church, us, gathered together, is what? The fullness of Jesus who fills everything in every way. The fullness of Jesus... Sorry, no one is excited about this. I read that and thought, that's amazing. The fullness of Jesus is revealed who, through who we are. And he says this, Ephesians 2.22, and in him, Jesus, you two are being built together to become what? A dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Right. <sighs> Just let that settle, because I can see everyone's thinking, come off it, you've hit us with three Bs already, and then you've got to, this is the fourth one. It's too much. Information overload. No, 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 hang in there. This is not information overload. You, you can listen to this till the cows come home. Who we are together is a place that God wants to uniquely base himself. And I thought it's just me and God and me experiencing spirit. No, no, no. There's a way that you and I can experience God, know God, see God when we come together that is unique to any other expression. That God wants to come whenever we gather together and cause the fullness of who Jesus is to be revealed. He who fills everything in every way. Still not getting it. The fullness of who Jesus is, fully loving, full of peace, full of joy, full of power. God says, I want that fullness to be evidenced whenever you as a bunch of people who are the body of Jesus, to be revealed. We're getting there. <laughs> the fullness of Jesus. I, uh, if we want people to see Jesus, we say, oh, you don't know who Jesus is? Well, come along on a Sunday morning. Why? Is that a religious thing? No, it's just where I gather because of practicalities. We kind of all know then when we're going to do it. We all gather together. And when we gather together, we know that Jesus is going to be revealed in the fullest possible way. What? Jesus, who lived, dies and rose again, is present in Birmingham? Uh Uh-huh. Where? Where can I see him? Sunday morning, any local church. It's not just the Oasis, anywhere. What? Jesus is there. Oh, yeah. Because God promised he's going to cause his fullness of who Jesus is to be revealed. I thought it was just a cold building with pews. That sounds incredible. It really does, doesn't it? See, there is a desire that God has that he wants to come and uniquely dwell by his spirit whenever we gather together. Isn't it register? Isn't God looks and well, I'm pretty sure. I know they haven't got a membership list at Oasis because they're kind of that way. And I'm kind of sure. I think we've got 80% who said that Oasis is home, I'll come and dwell there now. No, it's about intention. 
We know that we live in a day and age that it means that we can't always make it on a Sunday. When we say, let's try and make this one moment where we gather together. But if we have that intention of saying, boy, do I want to get there when I can? Because when I get there, I realize that this is a moment where I'm going to uniquely see Jesus revealed. Because he wants to, but if we gather together, I'm going to uniquely experience God's spirit in a way that's different to me and God. Because God wants to dwell in a different way when we gather together. And not only is it going to do me good, it's going to do the good of everyone who's present there. And actually, I can bring anyone else who wants to see who Jesus is amongst that bunch of people because they're going to see something of who Jesus is because they're going to see his body, his diversity and beauty, his beauty and scars. Look at what it means to belong. And they're also going to see his presence worked out. I get excited. I think Sunday isn't a boring day. It isn't like, oh yeah, I work one day a week. I kind of go on a Sunday because I'm employed by Wasters. No, no, I look at Sunday. I think, this is incredible. I get to be part of this. I get to walk around a giant bee thinking, that's what home is. And we get to reveal who Jesus is. Sunday isn't about doing something for the sake of it. It's a pragmatic decision to say, hey, let's gather together because when we do, we reveal Jesus. I don't know about you, that just sounds an exciting thing to get up out of bed for. And to invite people along to, to say, hey, do you want to see what Jesus looks like? Come and see it when we come together and we reveal him. Because when we reveal him together, it then gives us that energy and joy and peace to understand we then get to go out throughout the world, painting his colors and flavors everywhere and anywhere we go. Loving home. How are we doing being filled with love and wonder of what home is? Scale of one to five, just pause for a moment. One being, I cannot see it at all. Five being, I'm so overwhelmed, I'd be combusting at this moment. How are we doing one to five? In that scale of one to five, then what do we need to take action on? What do we need to do? What do we need to not do? How do we need to change the perception of what we see home church as? Lastly, continue. What accountability do we need? Who do we need around us to say, can you help me with this? Do you know what? For some of us, is that today we just decide, I'm going to give it a go again. For others of us, it's that we say, I want to turn up. For others of us, it's that, man, I, I just feel this new sense of life for what we are. I don't know where it is for you, but you do. Can I just pray for us? Just close your eyes where you're at. I'm just going to pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your infinite wisdom that does stuff that we just would have never, ever dreamt up in our wildest dreams. That we would have never dreamt up that who we would be whenever we gather together as people is your body. Revealing the wonder of belonging to you in each other. Revealing the beauty of you in our diversity and in our restoration, our scars. Of being a place where you'd come and base yourself whenever we gather. Jesus, we could have never drawn that up. And yet you in your wisdom have. And Jesus, we don't want to live. Say, no, yeah, we're kind of this nice bunch of people. God, we want to live with a sense of awe and wonder of who we are when we say we are home together. And God, we want to live in that awe and wonder in order that we would bring many others in.
to become part of home with us as we have our home in you, Jesus. We ask this for your glory. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to finish there. If you'd like to be prayed for about anything, please do come forward. We'd love to pray for you. It isn't in coming forward. It's some sort of holy thing. It isn't. It's just a pragmatic thing. It's just easy to spot people who want to be prayed for because what you'll find is then everyone else is going to turn around and if they want to get prayed for, they're going to do one of two things. They've got kids and if they've got kids, they're going to go and get them. If they haven't got kids, they're going to go back to the double doors that have now opened magically. And in there is some tea and coffee, squash drinks, some leftover donuts. Please go and help yourself. Otherwise, we're done for this morning.